This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, August 12th, 2020, and my guest is no other than Joshua Vergara. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me back on again. And this is an audio podcast, but we get to see each other. I know. (laughs) I've been doing this with my guests lately, and it's kind of fun because of the pandemic. I don't get to see you folks at briefings and stuff anymore, so Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's do video, you know? And and maybe, maybe, I want to put it out there, maybe those of you listening right now can can tell me in Twitter or let me know. I'm thinking of doing maybe videos for the for the podcast Ooh. because in the past it was always challenging from a like logistics perspective, all the travel. But now that it's like, I'm at home anyway, maybe I should. What do you think? I mean, yeah, we all have the capability to at this point, yeah. right? Um, speaking of being able to see each other, just a quick story. I... I went down a bit of a memories rabbit hole and I pulled up one of the old, do you remember the tech lounge? Mm -hmm. Um, I pulled up MWC 2015 when we were all gushing over the HTC Vive. Oh my God. Uh, That was such a great podcast. And I remember we had, it was me and then Michael Fisher and Jaime were, were the pocket now team at the time I was with Android authority. And obviously we had Nicole and Sasha there. And then halfway through, right when we started talking about the Vive, you popped in and we, we all had a really great chat. I remember that. That was fun. (laughs) It was really fun. I also remember doing one with you and Nick and Michael and a few others where we kind of all met for dinner and then we're like, let's do a podcast. And then we just did a podcast. Remember that? That was so good. Yeah. I was missing those times. And the reason why I brought that up and I haven't said this on any platform yet is that I called it when the Vive was announced and it was in partnership with Valve. I said, that's how Half-Life 3 is going to happen. And recently Half-Life Alex came out. I totally called it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I pulled up that podcast for proof. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. There you go. <laughs> Exclusive. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Galaxy products that, yes. well, the Samsung products that came out last week. Last week, we, we kind of covered the theoretical, I guess. We just expressed our feelings and thoughts. There was lots. You practically have played with three devices that were announced. And I'm getting mm-hmm. two of these like imminently. So I'm excited. Uh, the Devices I want to talk about are the Note 20 Ultra, of course, the mm-hmm. Galaxy Buds Live, the Beans, and then, of course, the Tab S7 Plus, which I completely forgot to discuss last week. Like, I was enumerating all the things that had been released, and I f- kind of flipped over the iPad competitor because I was like, meh, it's just an Android <laughs> tablet. And your take on that video, let's maybe start with that because you were like, no, 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 this is like, maybe this is worth our attention again. Yes, the tablet is the thing that no one should sleep on because Samsung, okay, the reason why people love iPad OS is because it finds ways of bridging certain gaps. Uh, I know Jaime is a huge fan of it um, and he's able to use applications on iOS just happen to work well once you port it over to iPad OS. They, de- they develop it for the bigger screen. Android needs to be better about that. Yeah. But Samsung is bridging the gap so well by putting in DeX. It's kind of the coolest thing ever because if you've never used Dex before, and I think majority of people haven't, you know, really done that, imagine getting the tablet. It's a typical Android tablet. And then the moment you dock it into that keyboard, it becomes like, it becomes Dex. It becomes a Windows-like Android uh, interface. And it's fantastic. It's such a better way of using it since the keyboard has a touchpad and all of that. 
Um, so this is different from the decks where your phone gets plugged into wirelessly or wired into a TV and turns into a, a computer experience, or is it exactly the same setup? I think it's exactly the same setup. It's just that the hardware of the tablet makes way more sense. Right. Because uh, one of the things you can do with the Note 20s now is a wireless DeX connection, which is cool. But then your phone becomes like a touchpad of sorts, and then you still need to use the keyboard on there. But now it's all built in. So you really get that sort of iPad competitor experience because you have a, a it's a good keyboard. It's not the best. Uh, it's a little cramped. It's the main thing I would say. The touchpad is a great addition because it was missing in the last tablet, if I right. remember correctly. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it's just better. And, um, being able to multitasking in Android is, is one thing, but when you have decks open and you have multiple windows running at the same time, it just, it just, it's a seamless move to a, to an easier interface. And I just, I adored it. It was great. And it's not like you're wanting for any performance because it has the top of the line specs. Both of the tablets have the 865 plus. So you're fine no matter which way you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're going to be good. <laughs> Why? Yeah. That's interesting. I, you know, I'm glad that they're trying something else because I, I'm not a tablet user anyway. So like even I, I admit the iPad is, I think, definitely what I would recommend to people if they ask me right now, do I, what tablet should I buy? And I think, you know, and I, every time I talk to anyone at Android police, they're like the biggest proponents of that collectively, <laughs> which is funny because, you know, they're, they're Android folk, right? Like they, they yeah. should be like, no, you know, maybe you should try the Galaxy Tab S7 Plus. Maybe they're going to change their tune with this. But I think that for me, it's like I'm not a tablet user, so it's not about me. But for other people who are tablet users, it's hard to recommend, you know, as good as the hard, like Huawei has always made really nice tablet hardware, in my opinion. But then, you know, use Android. And as you said, it's just very compromised experience. But if you can switch yes. to more of a desktop-like experience, I think this is a very clever thing and makes a lot of sense. You will you will frown uh, when you do something like open up Instagram or tele uh, Instagram or Twitter and it's just blown up to the full screen. Yeah. So you're like yeah. scrolling past a humongous <laughs> photo. <laughs> I mean that's been the case and I think is it isn't there still no I think there's still no Instagram for iPad on iPad OS. Which is oh, one of right? the biggest know. like you know, thorns on iPad users that I keep hearing about. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they oh. finally remedied that. But somebody, I, re I remember reading not that long ago that like people still don't have a dedicated Instagram for iPad app. You have to literally put your iPad in portrait mode because it doesn't even <laughs> rotate because it's just a blown up iPhone app. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think that's cool. I'll, I'll link to the video that you made for Pocket Now. I am torn because I do want one of these tablets just for the experience in general, but the smaller S7 does have an IPS display and I'm still sort of like gnashing my teeth like, do I really need AMOLED? Like that's my that's my number one concern at the moment between the two. So if you want the smaller size, that's great, but you are going to sacrifice that great Samsung AMOLED display. So Yeah, I think that's very interesting that they decided to go to IPS on that. Was the previous Tab S6 or whatever the top, the Pro one or the Plus one, was that also OLED? It had to be because Samsung really pushed. I mean, Samsung's always OLED, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were pushing the, the AMOLED on their tablets since I feel like the S3 or 4. It's been a long time. The original Tab was IPS and it was a 7-inch thing. And I think they might have done mm -hmm. one larger tablets with IPS, but I remember super sexy yeah i think it was the s3 like i remember one like super thin you remember back in those days like very little oh, yes. bezel nothing it was amazing 
how does the AMOLED look on that? Because larger AMOLEDs are always a bit tricky, right? They don't seem to have quite the quality of like AMOLEDs on phones like we're used to. So does it look good? I To me, it did. I, I really enjoyed it on there. And like I've been saying on a lot of different podcasts lately, one of my quarantine obsessions has been Korean dramas. <laughs> it looked great on there. So <laughs> I was happy. That's awesome. Uh, they, no, you heard it here first. Probably not. You probably mentioned that before on your own YouTube. Um, so let's talk about the Note 20 Ultra, because last week we obviously all agreed that until we get our hands on the Z Fold 2, monster beast of a device we will celebrate the note 20 ultra as being possibly the best android phone ever made until next week in terms of kitchen sink right i mean the only thing now now that as i said last week now that kitchen sinks don't have headphone jacks anymore oh it's so Mm -hmm. pretty uh joshua's holding it up right now i want to know your thoughts because obviously we we bashed the note 20 for many good reasons last week but I get the feeling from <laughs> I get the feeling that from uh, talking to a bunch of folks now and watching a bunch of like first impressions that this phone is possibly even better than the Galaxy S20 Ultra at this point. Well, I it was really hard for me to love the S20 Ultra because <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> I have um I mean one of the first things that I will say this is one of my biases and I know it's controversial for a YouTuber to use the word bias on themselves but one of my biases is large phones. Like I'm not really a big fan of huge phones. I like comfort and I like quality of life standards and whatnot, but that's not what you expect with a Note. No, that's not device, why you buy right? a Note, I think. Exactly. So I, I, I usually preface my my uh, my reviews and perspectives on that whole thing. This is a big phone. Like it's big in every way possible. Like right down to the camera hump, which is just protruding oh, it's so like crazy. Huge. Like yeah. well, I'll I'll link to a bunch of videos and you'll that Josh made and you'll see it's just like it's like four millimeters out of the phone. The phone <laughs> itself is like seven or eight. It. It's like fifty percent more than the phone's thickness, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know what I, I have, but the thing is, I have to give them credit because even if it's not necessarily a phone that I would adore using every single day because I have that bias, I have to give them so much credit because they really did go big on everything. Like literally all parts of this phone are just so, I don't want to say future proof because who knows what's going to happen a year from now, but it's literally the best performing phone you can get right That's now. That's what I was saying. Like, I really feel like if you want everything but the kitchen sink, this is it. Like, I I think that's what Samsung is really good at. And I felt we didn't get that with the S20 Ultra. I felt the S20 Ultra was like, it was ultra, yeah, for sure. It was big. It had all the things, but it just didn't feel as coherent as a design, as a product it wasn't um it wasn't optimized correct is the yeah thing. like the like the whole phone just kind of issues felt, and all that stuff like yes. you don't you don't glance over that when you launch something that's zero compromise mm-hmm. and i feel like i feel like they almost held back knowing what the note 20 ultra was going to bring now that i see the note 20 ultra yeah you know what i'm saying like what I, I do agree with that. And I think with the footprint of the phone, I think they were able to pack in everything that they wanted. Whereas on the, I mean, I don't really watch, uh, I didn't really watch uh, Jerry Rig Everything's video on the teardown and whatnot, but I would imagine using the S20 Ultra that there's some wasted space somewhere in that phone. Like it's big for big sake is what I felt like. Yeah. But this is a more optimized package where everything literally, like it's, there's nothing wasted here. Um, it might be big, it might be excessive, but there's nothing wasted is is the thing. Um, I love the look I, of I, it too. Like I really oh, sure. like square phones and I like the way particularly like Samsung does it. Like Sony does it too. And you know, it just, 
I feel like Samsung, it's, I think part of it is the slight waterfall on the display, which really makes the edges thin. There's a, I, I just feel the, the aesthetics, they, they leaned into that pod by circling the cameras with these little circles on, true, the, note, true. on the note. And I feel that looks, just looks right. Like I felt that the, the camera pod on the S20 Ultra just felt like some weird industrial appendage that had no cosmetic uh, relationship to the rest of the phone. You know what I'm saying? True, and it's it was it also left a bad taste in your mouth when you just saw a hundred times zoom and you're like, don't put something there that I will literally never use. Like, don't try to market something to me that I'm not gonna actually enjoy. You know, and here none of that. Well, we're gonna talk about that in a second with another phone <laughs> marketing hype. Uh, that's true. Um, but uh, <laughs> but the thing is interesting. You interesting you pointed out because they only claim fifty this time, and you know, honestly, I think that makes a lot more sense because, I mean, the S20 Ultra, I have one, holds its own till about 2030X, no problem. Beyond that, mm-hmm. it's like, bleh. but But I think that if you say 50 and it can hold its own till 2030, I think you're, you know, you could push it to 50 for some people. Yeah. That would... But a hundred. Well, I guess my main thing is like let let me discover yeah. that, right? Yeah. Like don't don't push it in my face that like you know press one hundred you're gonna love it. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but fifty on here, yes, fifty is fine. I I don't go over ten. Like I go to a I go to an arboretum quite often here in my area, and ten is perfect for like oh there's a squirrel. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's. I it. mean, <laughs> I watched Dave Two D's video yesterday of the Note Twenty First Impressions, Note Twenty Ultra, and it's rare that Dave does segments of his videos outside but he actually had himself at 50 he started i don't know if you saw it he started at 50x yeah like, and it. it's like this if you want to see how bad it looks that's the video you want to watch because it's terrible at 50x and that's also to, to even drive the point home more that was a screen capture that wasn't oh, actual really video. wow yeah that's insane. so the video is going to look even worse that's the thing that's crazy so yeah there is one thing I'll say about the capabilities. You just mentioned 4K. Um, another bias I have, apparently, is if the front-facing camera doesn't do 4K, I'm already kind of bummed out. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable today. Yeah, and this one does, and it's great. Um, my number one thing that I would do with this single camera on the front is put like a clip of lens on it. That way you can get a wider view. Mm-hmm. But that's like that's just what I do. But 4K on the front, like I'm... I'm already happy usually when that shows up. <laughs> Anything else that stands out for you? I mean, we all know what a note is. The S Pen, I'm not a huge fan. There's all kinds of features around that. Um, but in terms of like kind of core pillar phone features, you know, camera, battery life, performance, design, anything stick out for you? Like you're just talking about the camera and how you like to use it up to 10X. And I think for that, I mean, 10X is going to look super good on this. 10X was pretty good. Um, I will say that, and this is something we've known about main sensors on a lot of phones, uh, the focus is pretty fine. Mm -hmm. So I took a photo at um, 5X, even at 5X, uh, I took a photo of a flower. Isn't the zoom optically 5X? Yes. So it should be good. Like, I mean, you're just using a 12 megapixel sensor at that point, basically. Yeah. And I thought the photo was too soft. I thought I messed up somehow. But then I looked a little closer and only one of the petals was 
in focus. And I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> it's sharp. Yeah. Focus is really fine. Um, the other thing, too, is, and you mentioned the autofocus earlier, um, like I, I, I'm, I'm saving the actual clip for a future video, but I did a video clip where I just went, I, there was a flower and it was centered in my frame. And then I kept going in and out. I kept moving left and right. The autofocus was, yeah, it was so quick. It was well, I think good. they added laser AF to it. And um, yeah. that's definitely more foolproof than using a time of flight sensor because those are, I mean, you have to have a lot of expertise to use a time of flight sensor properly. And I feel like the Maybe way so, they yeah. did their time of flight on the S20 Ultra was you'd be essentially a camera rather than an actual dot array projector. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, Sony on the Xperia 1 Mark II did mm -hmm. uh, an actual dot projector like, like the iPhone does on the front for its yeah. autofocus. They're the one of the few to actually use it for autofocus, not for AR. And I felt that the one of the things that is probably the most under-discussed, even in my own review on hard hardware on the Xperia, I, I kind of forgot to dive into that. The autofocus on that thing is dope. Like for, for stills, I don't know about video, was it's not my focus, but mm. I felt that camera felt very like beta to me in the sense that there's so much potential to be unleashed and I'll never unleash it because I'll never do software updates and now we're going to have to wait for the Xperia 1 Mark III or <laughs> something, III. you know? <laughs> but like a lot of people are panning that phone because it's $1,000 and has no 5G in the US and it's all rightfully so. I did pan it for that as well. It's ridiculous that they sold mm. it for that. But I feel like... These are all things that I should be hearing because I actually have it just waiting for me to review it. Cause yeah, you should play with it. Yeah. Use it with stills do both the like pro their pro app which is basically like mm -hmm. a replica of the alpha interface for their cameras and then do the auto app there's a lot of quirks in the apps like the way it does zooming is actually not like from 0.5 to 20x like we're used to it's actually you have to switch lens and then you get a range of 3x on each lens so if you want 9x oh. zoom you have to go to the third lens which is the telephoto and then, which is 3x optical, and then zoom 3x, and then you get nine because three times three. Like, you have to do all this mental yeah. math that they don't do for you. <laughs> and it's really weird. But if you think like a photographer where you switch the lens, yes, that and then you digitally zoom, that's what they're doing. And so they're kind of thinking more like photographers. It's really interesting. But I felt like a lot of people pen that phone, but a lot of people miss the point of that phone, which I think is that for stills photography, that phone's color science. And the fact that it did very little processing made for mm -hmm. really good like photos to use in Lightroom. Of course, that's not what people want. They, they want to mash the button and get a good shot exactly. from their phone because their kids just ran in front of them in low light in the kitchen, right? And that's, yeah. that's not the phone for that. But if you take it out okay. and start using it more like a photographer would, especially with the alpha interface, because there's two mm -hmm. interfaces, I think that phone is a very good niche product. I think... It needs 5G in the US and it needs to be like 800 bucks. And then I could say, yeah, if you're a photographer, this is a cool phone to have. Well, I think you bring up a really good point because in the case of the Sony, obviously there's like more of a niche going on there. Um, and then with the, I don't know, because this is a conversation I've been having with multiple people. Uh, Note 20 Ultra came out just after, I guess Google really like, like, Pick the right timing. Oh, uh, the Pixel yeah. 4a. I just reviewed it for hot hardware. So good. So good. So I'm doing a real-world camera test today with it, and my review will come out probably over the weekend. Um, but having these two phones, and actually I can grab it, but um, having these two phones at the same time really 
really kind of makes you think. And it's like, what exactly do you want to pay for for the features that you want? So for the Xperia, it's like if you're a video or photo professional, quote unquote, then you get that kind of experience on that phone, hence niche. But then when you look at these two phones, it's like, this is trying to be everything, but do you really want to pay $1,200 if you're only going to use $500 worth of it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I get... I get really in the weeds with that because this has been a breath of fresh air. Like it always has been. The 3A was. It is totally a breath of fresh air. And let me tell you one experience I had. I think a lot of people that have been following me for a while know this, but you might not know this. I refuse to switch over. Like I'm a Pixel user, long time Nexus Pixel as my main daily driver. So when the 4 came out, I was going to switch to that, but I refused to. I held off. I got my review device and I was going to, normally I would have within a few weeks switched over from my 3XL to a 4XL. And I didn't mm-hmm. because half of my apps didn't work with the Face ID and stuff for unlocking. And I just felt like for the first time, I didn't feel it. Mm. Because a lot of effort to transfer everything. Like when I do a review oh, yeah. phone, I just install a few apps, right? I don't have all my collection. Like my Tesla app is not on there. My banking apps are not on there. All that other stuff doesn't let get carried over. So I, I'm okay. But I'm starting to have a lot of stuff. So... I kept the 3XL going for a while until I switched to the OnePlus 8 Pro. But I still had my 3XL set up, right? Like it was, I hadn't factory reset it yet. So what Mm -hmm. I did is for the week before my Pixel 4a review, I put my SIM back in the 3XL because everything was set up and I used it to kind of get a feel for what a Pixel is like again, even though it's not the fastest Pixel. And dude, this is the crazy thing. The 4a is faster and more nimble (laughs) than the 3XL. I think a lot of it has to do with RAM, four gigs versus six gigs, True. right? And if you run benchmarks, which I have to do for my hot hardware reviews, I'm not a benchmark person, but they do benchmarks there. And I write a oh. lot of phone reviews for them. So I've been kind of getting in the habit of making benchmarks run happen. And you actually look at the benchmarks and PC mark work, which is like a, an actual mimics the normal use of a phone, like web browsing and all that, not actually like looking at hardcore graphics, but just general use is Mm -hmm. pretty much within 10% performance of the 3XL. So what I'm saying is that if you buy a Pixel 4a today, you're basically getting a Pixel 3 or 3XL from a year and a half, two years ago, with more RAM and more base storage. And if you think about it, they don't have a telephoto in the back, so you get the same camera. In fact, the f-stop is better on the 4a because of 1.7. The 3XL Mm -hmm. and the 3 are 1.8. So like... I'm just telling you this so that my audience understands how progress, how fast progress is. Sure. The Snapdragon 730 today pretty much matches the 845. Not mm. for games, and, you know, but for everything else. And this also proves that, you know, a point that I've been really wanting to make recently is that we're in such a good place right now with smartphones. And the Note 20 Ultra is a great example of that. It's like, look at, all, look at what happens when you put the best of the best in one phone. Um, and it's so good. Or rather, it's so powerful, I should say. I can't really say good yet because I'm still reviewing it. But it's so powerful that anything that is in the current uh, market but lower tier is also good. Right. So you have 765G, even the 730. Like the Nord, yeah. Like I reviewed the Nord and it just like I was like, wow, like I'm on a OnePlus 8 Pro every day. And yeah. I didn't feel like I was missing out on too much, you know? Like I was surprising. Yeah, yeah, so I think that the Note 20 Pro is going to be an awesome phone if you want everything but the kitchen sink. The price, I think, is high, but I think it's justifiable for what you're getting. Um, there are a few things that I feel like 
again, I haven't used it, but I feel like going to be an issue for some, the kind of people who'd want to buy a note, which is the silo for the S Pen is on the quote unquote wrong side. I don't understand <laughs> why manufacturers keep doing that. Remember the Note 10 last year with the volume rock on the other side? Like, yeah. It's on this side now, which is a little bit better. I know now it's still on the on the side we're used to for Samsung. I wish Samsung or you know Xiaomi and Oppo and OnePlus and OnePlus did this too. Like they switched the <laughs> the silent slider from one side to the other. Like why can't you pick a spot and stick to it? Because that's one of the ways you keep your customers happy. You know, it's like the iPhone. They switched the power button from the side to the top, or the top to the side, or whatever it was. Yeah, top to the side. <laughs> Mm-hmm. When they went big, right, with a six. But that's yeah. it. That's the only thing they've ever changed in terms of the user. And, of course, face ID, touch ID, right? But, like, people get used to it. Do it once and you stick with it. The consistency, I think, really matters, you know? It might have been because of the camera hum being, like, such a thing, right? So there's so much, there's so much like, bits and pieces right underneath I know. this thing. Uh, but I did, I did get quite a few comments on the two videos I did for the Note 20 Ultra. Um <laughs> People who are left-handed are very happy. Yeah, of course right now. they are. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I I will admit, okay, fine. My right, I, I will check my right-handed privilege. <laughs> I'll chill <laughs> for sure. I mean, these are minor things, but these are exactly the things that you know. Again, we've learned this from the best companies in the world, like that ones mm-hmm. that are really have the best feedback from their users traditionally, like Apple, like Tesla. Is that details really matter? Like the little things yes. is what make people come back. And I wish, I think Samsung's a big enough company now that they can, they could do that. They could be a little more mm. conscious of the design decisions. And they did with their UI, with one UI, right? I feel like they really kind of flipped a page and went into something that I felt was better and was more consistent across all the devices they make. And so the hardware is interesting that way. I, I think, I mean, I'm nitpicking here. But I really don't think I'm going to have any issues with the Note 20 Pro other than a few little details like that. And at $1,300, I kind of expect to not have any issues <laughs> after using the Pixel 4a, you know? That was the that was one of the um, that was one of the points that stuck with me from Dave 2D's video. Um, he said that even though this is a fresh uh, first impressions video, I do think that this phone is appropriately priced. And I know a lot of people probably heard that line and they're all like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but like you said already. Um, kitchen sink man like you're it's everything i mean like you know there's the little things that cost more like reverse wireless charging like you have to have extra Mm -hmm. software and hardware for that and like you know it's tiny stuff but it adds up and you know when you put a periscope lens like it's a folded lens it has prisms it has optical stabilization motors extra stuff in there like it's not a trivial thing to add any any periscope based phone so far has been over a thousand dollars and yep. we're about to talk about one that is less than $1,000. So <laughs> things are changing. But the point is that, you know, yes, economies of scales can bring these prices down. But the reality is, how many notes does Samsung sell versus the A series or the M series, right? Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Like we in the US and in the West, we look at these flagships as kind of like you walk into the store, you spend your $1,000 over two years and you don't think much about it. Although it's yep. starting to change with our pandemic and the economy right now. Hence the very appealing sub $500 phones like the 4A. But I think in other yep. markets, it's like price sensitivity matters and you can't just afford the flagship necessarily. And so, True. you know, because of that, um, you have to look at the the cost of, of, of a phone. The more phones you make, like Samsung sells more A and M series than anything else and J series. So 
they can kind of use parts that are common between the two. And But like that periscope sensor, whatever, that module is lens system is unique to the Note 20. It is not even the same as the S20 Ultra was. Uh-huh. So because of that, you're having no economies of scale. Like it's yeah. as many Note Ultras as you sell that are going to decrease the price. So things like that mm-hmm. are really expensive. Like NFC and stuff doesn't cost much. Like I don't know if you watched a Coppe interview that Marquez did uh, about the Nord and how much things cost. So he was like something mm-hmm. like, I can't remember what it was, but adding waterproofing to the phone would have cost something like $12 or something per phone, you know, really? like to them, not to the consumer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you add that mm. to the consumer and it probably would be like 20 or $30. But it's really interesting to find out how that stuff works. And so I so are you, are you completely like writing the regular Note 20 off? Yeah, or? I'm completely writing it off. I think, really? it's, I think I'm boycotting it. Like I would recommend, <laughs> like, I'm being an activist here because I've always been an activist. About it. I, I look. I real, the reality is this: is you can buy a OnePlus Eight Pro, yeah, um, that doesn't have the stylus. Granted, that costs you know eight eight ninety nine, and mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, blows it away. Even in imaging, because based on my experience with the S twenty non Ultra, I don't feel that camera mm-hmm. system on the S twenty is as good as the honestly as the the OnePlus Eight Pro. I think the OnePlus that that IMX six eight nine you know, There's a good that, one. that was 1.2 micron, then mm-hmm. quad pixel bin down to 2.4 is a pretty impressive sensor and the lens and the optics on that are really good. I'm not talking about all the extra lenses because those are, you know, just bragging rights at this point. But yeah, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like overall, you know, you're probably better off spending that kind of money. Now you're going to say, well, the Note 20 does have it does have millimeter wave if you're a Verizon customer and the OnePlus 8 Pro does not. And I will grant you that, but 10 people are using millimeter wave in the US right now, like probably. Like I'm and joking. they're all in the but same spot. Like they're all in the same spot, exactly. <laughs> so I think that doesn't matter right now. I feel like um, that's not the kind of future-proofing you should be spending money on. So I actually think economically you're better off buying an S20 Plus um, because yeah. you lose the stylus, but at least there's discounts on it. It's got millimeter wave. It's got the same camera system. It's got the same size screen, roughly, la, la, la. I, I do kind of want to give it a fair shake, though. Like, there's a part of me that still wants to try it, just, just to see if, like, all the hatred is. And I, I, feel, I do feel like all the hatred is very um, justified, yeah. but I want to see if I feel the same way once I use it. Because I will admit, the regular Note 10 from last year was just a such, tra- it was such a charming phone. And there's none of that charm in the Correct, Note 20. Correct, yeah. I think, look, I think that I can live with other micro SD. I can, as much as it's wrong... Like not just ignoring the price for a second. I can live with the micro SD. I can live with the plastic back because I'm sure it's really well done, even though it's it's philosophically wrong. Like there is a <laughs> part of me that is, I, I hate when manufacturers, I, I wrote this in my Pixel 4A review. I hate when manufacturers are using plastic as a replacement material. Like they make it pass for something else. Glass, leather, oh, wood, or metal. And OnePlus is culprit of that on the Nord where the midframe mm-hmm. is plastic. But instead of making it just a matte midframe, they, you know, metal- metalize it they by shining it, yeah. it and chroming it. And I'm like, F you, that's not what I want on my phone. Be honest with me, right? Yeah. And and I feel like the Pixel 4 is the most honest that way. It's like, well, polycarb unibody that we kind of gave a like a soft touch finish too. It felt like a Nexus mm-hmm. 5, just more rounded basically, you know? Yeah. And and I felt that they don't make any excuses. They don't apologize for that. So 
That's that's the plastic part. But I think the biggest thing you would notice, the most practical thing the Note 20 is not worth $1,000 for is the lack of 120 or 90 hertz refresh. You're going to notice True. that. The one, yeah. I think that 1080p will be fine because right now you're probably running the Note 20 Pro at 1080p and 120 hertz, right? Yep, Because exactly. it's one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating. See, that's the <laughs> other reason I say you're the OnePlus 8 Pro because you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it 2K yeah. and 120 hertz. So, and I'm getting into I'm getting into more like laptop content, which is like great for me. I mean, I've I've I love smartphones, but it's been years that I've been doing it. But I'm spoiled by high refresh I right know. now because I'm using computing products that have it, exactly. like 144 hertz. It's crazy. I know, absolutely. So I think that the Note 20, if look, if they if they sold it. If it comes on price really rapidly, like a lot of Samsung's phones do, down to 750 800 I would say like, okay, just uh, the caveat of the high refresh would be my only big caveat. And, sure. you know, because of plastic, whatever. I mean, it sucks. It's just I'm against it on principle. But the, the refresh rate, <laughs> I think, is the most practical thing that uh, take away out of the Note 20 that I think is, is disappointing. And, and I'm surprised they cut corners on that, like that. And also the fact that it's not physically a different size than the Note 20 Ultra. That's my right? big problem is the thing. Yeah, that's why I got the Note 10 from last year. Exactly. Because it was a smaller Note. It was it was unheard of to have something that small with the word Note in it. Like it was it was. I know. It was, of. I thought it was the beginning of something really special. Yeah. And it just lasted yeah. one year. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the Galaxy Buds Live a little bit. You have them. I'm getting them soon alongside my Note 20 Pro review unit. Um, what's your take on these? Have you tried the OnePlus Buds? Have you tried the Pixel Buds? That way, I'm just kind of curious what you've played with. So the, these, you mentioned the OnePlus Buds. Um, the OnePlus Buds and these have one fundamental thing that I already don't like. Uh, I don't really like open design. I just don't like open You like it when it's in your ear canal with a silicone seal. Exactly. And they don't have so, that. Yep. that said, um, whereas the OnePlus Buds don't really, and again, they're cheap, so like this is something I expect. While the OnePlus Buds kind of not, not really fail, but they don't really reach a good sound quotient, these actually do. I have to give Samsung a lot of credit for actually making a, a good sounding open design bud. And I will say right now, I'm not really a hater of the old AirPods, but the AirPods sounded good. These sound better. Like, I actually think these blow those away. So interesting um, because I felt the OnePlus Buds were some of the best sounding open earbuds I've ever used. And I'm a bit of an audiophile. So I, well, I, w- I would agree with you, but I would put at the end of that sentence for $79. And, and I know, th- <laughs> I think it's more about the size and shape of your ear, actually, because I've talked to, mm. I sampled a whole bunch of different folks that reviewed them. And it's such a variation in their perceived sound quality. Some mm-hmm. people are saying they're super bass heavy and I completely disagree. I hate bass heavy earbuds. And to me, oh. the OnePlus Buds are not super bass heavy. And I think the reason for that is because I have bigger ears. So they just literally sit in my ears. They don't go in mm. my canal in any way. And so the amount of bass they generate to compensate for the fact that they're not in your ear canal balances out for me because I have large ears. And I ah. think that's the thing. The problem that you have and i think the reason a lot of people don't like the half open or whatever open design is because we all have different ear shapes and so it doesn't work for everyone whereas with the um silicone tips you can get a silicone size that fits your ear canal and then the sound is pretty much normalized for everyone and i think for a lot of people they just shove it like they (laughs) they didn't make it work Um, yeah i think that that's the takeaway i had is like a lot of people were shoving the one plus buds in their ear like they would in an ear canal and they would sound like crap if you did it if i do it to myself it That's does sound like a good crap. point so i'm really yeah. curious about the buds live because of their design and i'm glad well, you, they are they are a little bit finicky i will say that a few people did like 
call me out uh, because they thought that the uh, earbud was not sitting in my ear properly because they do have instructions. You have to like twist it and make sure it's really huh, sitting interesting. right. Um, I did do that. And like I said in my comments, I did do that, but I did not perceive that much of a change in ANC performance when I was fiddling with them. If anything, all I was really doing was play and pausing my, my music too much by doing that. Um, but I will say this, the ANC on here will not be like what you expect from like these of course not. <laughs> like you're just no of course not even the sony earbuds you know the exactly. the uh, wf 1000 x m3 M3s, are yeah. very impressive they are silicone tips and they're very impressive active noise exactly. for earbuds but they're not even remotely as good as the, the headphones well right? that's that's the thing i would say that um the anc that samsung employed on here with the open design and the vent what the anc does is it actually makes this open design more akin to the closed design it makes the sound uh, it makes the sound quality closer to that level. Um, so it compensates for what an open design does that I don't like. Um, so when I have the ANC on, I actually I actually like the bass a little more. Interesting. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm more of a bass heavy person. I actually really like it. Like I, if it's muddied, then yes, I understand that that sounds terrible. But I do like a good bass for like hip hop and stuff like that. Um, so I do prefer it, which is why when I don't get it. I'm much more sensitive to it. Right. And that's why no, I didn't I like that. that's why I didn't like the OnePlus Buds. And for me, what I liked about the OnePlus Buds in particular was that they weren't too bass heavy, at least for my fit. And most importantly, they had incredibly detailed and high quality mids and highs. Like mm. I am still blown. Every time I use them right now, I'm like, wow, $79 for this? Like, holy crap. Like this rivals some of my really good headphones. And I'm like, and, and this is what blew me away about them. But again, I realized really quickly from talking to, you know, not even talking to you right now and others, there's one other person that agrees with me, but a whole bunch of other people have completely different experiences. I've heard muddy, I've heard bass heavy, and I'm like, well, are we listening to the same product? <laughs> like, that's like, what I'm saying. <laughs> and, you know, and I feel that's the challenge with the open design. And I also think that, um, have you tried the, the FreeBuds 3 from... Huawei, the, not the 3, but 3i, but the 3s, because they look exactly like AirPods. They're an open design, and they have active noise cancellation. Uh, I think I tried it one time when we were uh, when we were in San Diego that one time. I think Judy had it. Yes. Yeah, that was the one time I tried it. And it seemed all right, but again, once I put it in and it was open, I was yeah, like, eh. <laughs> But it's impressive how good the active noise canceling works on those, even though they're open. Um, you have to, the, the problem I have with the FreeBuds 3 is that you actually have to start up the app and tune the noise canceling for the setting you're in. It doesn't figure it out by itself. Like oh. it gives you a choice of like the, how much noise canceling you want. And there's like, you see, it's a rotating dial on the screen and it's mm -hmm. basically like loops through a whole bunch of different settings and you pick the one for that circumstance. And you'd think that once you pick it for your ears, you're good to go, but no, you go outside in a different noise setting and you have to do it again. But once you do, you're good for that walk or whatever, right? So it's really interesting no. how they implemented it. I don't think it's the the best, you know, the the right way, especially once you use AirPods Pro and you realize how, you know, or like the Sony's and you realize it does it automatically and it does it really well. So yes. is it the same with the Buzz Live? Does it just do it automatically and it seems to adapt very well to its environment? Actually, you know what? I, I, I'm going to venture and say not really. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like a one size fits all situation. Okay. Uh, but it's, but that being said, it's not that bad. Like it's pretty, it's pretty good for what it is. Um, I, the, the one thing that I, the one takeaway I, I got from the buds live is that these are actually probably the most comfortable earbuds I've ever used. Ah. Like I can just, I had them in from a hundred to zero in battery life with no fatigue whatsoever. 
And I was like, all right, cool. And a few people asked me, I, I didn't know that this was a metric that people wanted in earbud reviews, but yes, I can lie down with these. Like I can actually lie down. Oh, right. Can you sleep with them on? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, yeah, they seem to really fit right into the the, the whole of year without sticking out. That that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like I did, I did a big shake test in it and people were laughing at that clip, but I didn't realize that people wanted to see me sleeping too. I'm like, okay, I guess. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. Cool. Well, I'll, I'm looking forward to trying them out. This is going to be fun. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, that Xiaomi phone. Oh boy. Like they just <laughs> announced for the 10th anniversary, the Xiaomi Mi 10 Ultra. Ultra. Yeah. They're going for the Ultra. Everybody now. seems to be liking Ultra. Yeah, I know. This this really proves to me, and this is a this is something I've felt about Xiaomi for a long time. Xiaomi seems to be the company that tries the hardest. And like they 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 put out so much stuff that doesn't seem like it I don't know, like you wouldn't think about it, right? Like right. a transparent TV. I know that's aside from the <laughs> point, but they have a transparent TV for some reason. But this phone, like when you look at it, this actually looks like when I look at the back, it actually does look like a point and shoot camera. It's massive. Like this camera <laughs> pod like extends halfway down the back. Um, 120 Hz OLED display, 4,500 milliamp hour battery with 120 watt fast yeah. wide charging. It's 120 all the things, I think. 50 watt wireless. That's, I don't know. What what charger can... Well, it's it's a custom charger. Like that's basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's probably Qi backwards compatible. Uh, Snapdragon 865, 16 gigs of RAM. 512 gigs of storage. This is like everything but the kitchen sink, like the Note. So, <laughs> wow. 48 megapixel main camera. Wonder what sensor that is because that doesn't seem very exciting, but it's if it's one of the good Sony sensors, I'm going to get really excited. OIS on the main camera, of course. OIS on the periscope, of course. It has a dedicated portrait camera and then an ultra-wide. So the portrait camera is an interesting thing. I think we've only seen it like once or twice so far. You know, I gotta. I have to sort of give a little bit of credit to people for putting the camera in rather than putting a depth sensor and just making everyone hope that the depth sensor is actually doing something. <laughs> yeah. Because no one's really like it's hard to prove at this point. You know. So if you have a dedicated camera for that, we've. I'm. Uh, I think it was one of the Moto phones that actually had a dedicated video camera. So I was like, oh, okay, good on you for actually like trying <laughs> um, to segment those things. But yeah, 120 on it's it's 120 all the things. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's 120 refresh rate, 120 charging, 120 zoom. <laughs> it's impressive. So I have a Mi 10 non-pro, the the base Mi 10 that mm-hmm. they came out with a while back, and it was one of the first phones from Xiaomi with wireless charging, and it's I think 30 watt wireless charging. It's like the OnePlus 8 Pro. You need their own chargers to get that speed, but. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And I think it had like, I want to say 45 watt or something wire charging. So this seems like to crank it up to 11 or to 120 in this case. <laughs> crank <laughs> yeah, it up exactly. to 120. I've requested a review unit. I'm looking, really looking forward to this. And, and they have the transparent back again. I know everyone's kind of opining for that one. Uh, but yeah, I reached out to them, of course, as well. And, and you know, as with all things Xiaomi, like this is the China version. So once the global yeah, editions you become you need the global, thing, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 1080p video at 960, that's pretty impressive. Like a, an actual yeah. 1080p. <laughs> and the price blows my mind. $762 equivalent Chinese price. 
Doesn't that sound more like the Xiaomi we know? That's yeah, that sounds like... like the Xiaomi we know. I mean, I think it's going to, when it, the global version is probably going to be more around 850, 900, but that's totally acceptable because a lot of the phones in China are subsidized by the ecosystem, right? Xiaomi has a mm-hmm. huge ecosystem of, of SIFT services and products that people buy into and kind of like Apple. So you get a bit of a discount on the phone for, you know, that they make like Amazon, they make their money back on the rest of it. And yeah. I don't know. I think I'm I'm gung ho about this. the The Mi 10 image quality was really impressive. I yeah. feel that Xiaomi's really stepped up their game. So have uh, BBK Group um, in general with Vivo and Oppo. I know you've played with the uh, gimbal phone. I just got it, so I'm going to be putting oh. that through its paces. The Vivo X50 Pro. Yep. Uh, what was your takeaway on that, by the way? I did like it a lot, but it was. I think I think using the word gimbal was a little too much. Yeah, it's like um, OIS it on steroids, right? Is really what exactly. It is. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of people were looking at it like, "Oh, so I don't have to buy a gimbal?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I think I think it just makes it easier so that if you are using like a, a, a an Osmo Mobile Three, for example, then you get you get really good footage. But the thing is, like when you when you're panning like this, like you have to be smooth still. Like you can't just right. assume the phone will cover for you the entire time. And it just so happened that my real world camera test for that video ended up being at a place where I went hiking. Like I didn't realize that the garden I went to was like on a bunch of hills. So I was like, okay, here we go. And I was climbing <laughs> this hill and I was tired, but the footage turned out fairly smooth. And I was like, you know what? Okay, cool. Like I, f- I feel like that was a worthwhile test. <laughs> yeah. So that Xiaomi has a 10 times optical zoom and promises we were talking about crazy numbers and 120 all the things so 120 mm-hmm. times uh, zoom uh, as we discussed with the s20 ultra earlier uh yeah right and you're not gonna shoot at that like it's gonna be crap right yeah so, but it does it's interesting actually it might not be so bad because it it does have a 48 megapixel sensor there behind the telephoto mm-hmm. it has a true 10x optical zoom and i have a p40 pro plus with a true 10x optical and Wow, it's it, that phone blows my mind in terms of quality of the zoom experience. You can still zoom beyond 10x to at least 20 or 30x with just an 8 megapixel sensor behind that 10x <laughs> optical. So I can imagine that with a 48, they can pixel bin at night to compensate for the uh, for the small aperture, right? Because mm-hmm. these, the zoom lenses has kind of crappy apertures and slow lenses and so it compensates for that because it can do it can do uh pixel binning at night and then in daytime you can probably zoom in using that 48 megapixel array without you know pixel binning you know because it just gives you more pixels so mm-hmm. uh, you probably can get at least 4x lossless out of that uh and so four times 10 is 40 i bet you this thing holds its own till up to about 50 like like without major degradation and then after that it starts to fall off so it'll be interesting to compare at 100 how bad is it versus the s20 and i think it'll yeah. be better because the s20 is only 5x optical and this is 10x um so you know yeah my only my only gripe that i can already my only concern i should say because that is the term i use in my in my content my only real concern at this point is a common thing with these phones that have so many lenses is that I hope that there are all modes for all lenses because that doesn't always oh, happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you don't get video or at all on one lens. Mm-hmm. You get night mode on a lens and you're like, you cheap bastards. <laughs> <laughs> because I will say it was the, what was what phone was it? Um, it, was, it, was, it was on a Paris trip 
and uh it, w- it was huawei but i want to say it was the p20 pro? Uh, it was p30 pro i think p30 pro was it was um, that the one where we were on the boat on the sand river oh it might have been but the one i remember is when we went to the huawei uh sort of like the like design, design center pay. yeah that was the that p30 was the pro yeah i was there okay i remember that and we were able to do night mode during the day while zoomed in and i was like sweet yeah <laughs> this that's is awesome. what you want totally you're right <laughs> Well, I'm yeah. looking forward to this Xiaomi Mi 10 Ultra if they send me one. I've requested it. I'll keep you posted. Super cool. Uh, speaking of phones, Moto Fusion Plus is coming to the US with 399 This phone was mm-hmm. launched in Europe a couple of months ago. Somehow it never made it on the podcast. It's nothing to write home about. Do you guys remember the Moto Hyper from December last year that we covered when we were all in Hawaii? This is basically they took the Hyper and they kind of steroided it up a little bit oh. in terms of specs uh, and in terms of cameras. It has more lenses and a better processor. And it's 399. It's the same Snapdragon 730, but not G, uh, not the graphics version that is in the oh. 4A. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to compare this to the same price, 399. So it'd be uh, 349 actually is the 4A. So this is a little more. Be interesting to compare them. So apparently a pop-up camera is not that expensive if you can put it on a 399 phone. I mean, come on. Chinese phones that cost $200 last year had, you know, pop-up cameras. Fair, fair. And I'll always be happy to see a pop-up camera because it's, I don't know, little weird things like that. We we started losing that in, in 2020, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's interesting now what we have in the U.S. as a lineup. We have a Razer. That's probably going to get replaced by a Razer 2 at some point. That's like up there, $1,499. We have the Edge Plus at $999, $1,000 for Verizon. We have mm-hmm. the Edge, which I recently reviewed for Geekspin for Elena, which is like the decontented version of the Edge Plus, the $699, but it's on sale for $500. And then we have the Fusion Plus. It's already on sale. Which is the one, yeah, it is. The Fusion Plus... It was it was on sale before it came out. Actually, the Edge. It was. Oh. They 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 put it up for four ninety nine for a limited time from day one, and the regular price is six ninety nine. At four ninety nine, if you read my review, it's definitely worth it. At six ninety nine, it's totally not worth it. The cameras oh, okay. on the thing are complete. That's the worst thing about the Edge, is that they decontented the camera so much by removing OIS on the telephoto and the regular that it just makes it garbage. What? Like that camera oh. is, yeah, it's every, it's pretty much the Edge Plus in every way with the Snapdragon 765G. So that's, the 765G is fine, but the camera has just took such a nosedive in spec with Moto's already like inability to make good cameras. And it's just like, it's worse than the Velvet. It's worse than, oh, it's, yeah, it's bad. So, yeah, that's my takeaway. But then, uh, so the, now then we have the one for Fusion Plus, then we have the G Stylus, the G Power, the G Fast, and the E, Moto E. These, this is the roster for the US right now. It's kind of crazy. Hmm. So I don't know what to think of this other than I want Moto. This is like if I had like to make a wish, Moto, if you're listening, I want a 5G sub $500 phone from you, like a Moto G series of some kind with a Snapdragon 765G that mm. competes directly with the Nord, competes directly with this upcoming Pixel 4a 5G, and dukes it out in that magical 400 to $500 price point. Yes, that's what I want. Yeah, well, clearly it seems like they have the capability to do it if they're pumping out all of these phones. And it's just funny looking at this list that you're reading off that a majority of these are sub 1,000. Like there's only one super premium phone in this. <laughs> I know. They, got, they have the capability. 
It's interesting to me that they have so many phones, and that's not even counting the worldwide phones, like the entire Moto One series out there. True. Ah, uh, Moto, Moto. I'm not sure about the strategy of so many phones. They seem to be pumping them out left, right, and center. Can you slow down a bit, Moto? Just make three <laughs> or four good phones, okay? Please fix the cameras and do not remove OIS on your anything over five hundred dollars should have OIS. Actually, arguably anything over three hundred dollars should have OIS. The Pixel Four A has OIS. The Nord has yes. OIS, and they win because of this. At least in the main sensor, right? Like... The main sensor. That's all I'm asking. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> we have to tell them everything, Josh. Like, <laughs> yeah, everything needs like, to be explained it's like to you. Children, <laughs> like you have to explain to them over and over again how to make, you know, how to make dinner. Yeah, All right. It was like, we get it. You're here. Like, you know, you deserve <laughs> to be here. We're happy you're here, but here's what you got to do. <laughs> I know. It's like, seriously, the Edge, I actually think is a better phone overall than the Velvet by a long shot. And I mm. feel that if they hadn't bang- mangled the cameras, I could totally say this is the phone to get. We all predicted, those of us who got that Edge under embargo to review, that the takeaway was all of us is Moto should keep the 499 price point for this. This is the price this phone should be. But if it had a better camera at that price, it would totally be a killer phone. Like it would be up there with the Nord and stuff. But the mm. camera is just so meh that the battery life on the edge is insane. Okay. Only had it three or four days for the review, like in the sense that they give it to me four days before the embargo and I wrote it on time for the embargo. So, you know, mm-hmm. those terrible four day, three day phone reviews where you have to scramble to get to everything kind of done. Your, I never your... charged it once to the entire, t- I fully charged it and then Whoa. I never charged it once and I was still at 20% at the end. Wow. Yeah, it's that's insane. Pretty... And it's taking all my photos, doing all my tests and everything. Nice. It, it's only a 4,500 milliamp hour battery, but somehow that plus Moto Magic software plus the 765G, which is super efficient. Yes. Uh, and I wasn't using it on 5G. I was using it on 4G. So I think the whole killer uh, combo of like, yeah, battery life out the kazoo. Since we're on the edge, uh, <laughs> like quick, quick thought, <laughs> yeah, uh, quick thought. Like, how do you feel about waterfall displays? Because it's it it is honestly one of Ugh. I talk about quality of life things, and that's one of the least quality. I don't of life. like them. No, I don't like yeah. them. I think I th- I think it's okay if you do a little uh, a little bit like the Note Twenty Pro. It doesn't seem to be too pronounced. Uh, I think One Plus the Eight is okay. I think the Eight Pro is starting to be a little much. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Mate 30 Pro last year, which kind of predates the edge at being a 90 degree waterfall, is too much. It's just, I mean, it looks super cool. Like, I'll give you that. But the good thing, the good news, I don't know if you reviewed the Edge Plus. It's exactly the same display on the Edge and the Edge Plus. 90 hertz. Yeah, I did review that okay. one. Okay. So if you know that display, for me, I had no issues with finger rejection. Like it did a decent job at not activating things previously. Some people had a really bad experience with the Edge Plus on that, but I didn't. And the mm-hmm. Edge is just as fine for me. And I like the, you know, double tap on the little pill on the side to like narrow the screen to 21 by nine and then you lose the edge and then you actually have a usable display. But it was sporadic though. Like I, I, I went like, I kept tapping it. Well, it depends on happen. the app. That's the problem. Like the camera doesn't respond to that. The camera is the one that needs it most. You can't frame a freaking shot when a, like 10% of your shot is up and down below the display and you, you can't see it. Down. I know. It's, <laughs> it's cool. But it's a usability nightmare, and they need to fix yeah. it. Yeah, you know, hundred percent agree. Yeah, so that's my takeaway. 
A few more things to talk about. I want to just quickly mention that MediaTek announced that they're bringing 5G to Intel PCs. Um, So that's a pretty exciting thing. Uh, You're going to be able to get 5G from both Qualcomm and from MediaTek on Intel PCs coming up with a dedicated modem called the T700 5G modem. Uh, And it's standalone, and I think it's sub-6. Yeah, it's sub-6. It doesn't do uh, millimeter. So that means affordable. I think we're going to see some affordable laptops with low-band 5G in the U.S. soon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good news. I'd be happy to see more of these in in laptops that are not just like the... What's the best term for it? Like the Ultrabooks, the Chromebooks, and stuff like that? Because a very specific subset... The ultralights and thin? Yeah, those kinds... Because these features like mobile connectivity often are just relegated to that part of the market. It'd be nice to see like, man, I I can just imagine like a a gaming laptop that can connect to 5G and you can play like you can play uh, Battle Royale games anywhere like Warzone. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be very cool. It's coming. I think uh, the, the 5G networks need to improve it. I think millimeter wave on once the networks are more, you know, prevalent and the technology has been refined further is going to enable very, very low latency 5G gaming. So that's going to be the thing. A couple of things I want to talk really briefly about, just because I think they're significant enough to warn mention. They're kind of meta mobile tech. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the first one isn't, but the second one is. The first one is that the Mate 40 that's upcoming will probably be Huawei's last phone with a Kirin chip. And the reason for that is that the ban is affecting Huawei's ability to manufacture chips. And so as such, uh, they're getting this, this, this ban from our government, from our regime is causing them all kinds of problems. And they're going to probably stop having, we're going to have to stop making carrying chips. And on one hand, I'm like, this sucks. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe, maybe it's a chance for Huawei to get their hands on some Qualcomm chips if Qualcomm's allowed to sell chips to them. And conversely, I'm hearing another piece of news where Qualcomm is actually asking the U.S. government permission to sell their chips to, to Huawei for their phones in the future. So, yeah. you know, I'm bummed because the Kirin chips right now, the only chips left out there that are made by another company than Qualcomm that are well, there's Apple as well, right? But there's Apple Silicon and then there is Kirin Silicon from Huawei that I think can compete with the best of Qualcomm today. Agreed. But the Exynos is no longer competitive, as we know. A lot of people are upset about the Note 20 and Note 20 Ultra only being available with Exynos chips abroad because it not only is the same chip as the S20, whereas we're getting the 865 Plus on the Note, but it's also the performance and battery life weren't quite up to par with the 865 on the S20 to start with. So yep. I think that Kirin is kind of a little close second to 865, 865 Plus. But I think I'm bummed because other people were using Kirin chips. I think some other Chinese manufacturers had started using them. And yeah, so they started to pop up in a couple places, I feel like. It wasn't like. exclusive. Like, like Exynos, Moto uses Exynos on some phones. It wasn't exclusive to Huawei. So competition is good and healthy and it keeps us on our toes. And I'm a little worried that that's bad. But at the same time, if Qualcomm manages to convince the US government for Huawei to have Qualcomm chips, that might be the turnaround Huawei needs to be able to no longer be banned and get GMS on their phones. In the sense that the US government might might feel confident enough that now they have a bit more control over the hardware 
that they can also give them access to Google software. And Google could use it as a legal precedent, say, well, you're allowed Qualcomm to sell their chips. We want to sell. See what I'm saying? Oh, that's a good point. So yeah. I think that's a, it's a bit of a political topic, but I think it's mobile-related enough that I wanted to bring it up that this is not going to affect most of you because you're going to buy phones that are widely available in North America <laughs> and Europe, yeah, listening, true. and Australia. I know there's a lot of you in Australia and a lot of you in India as well, and you'll get those phones no matter what. But I feel like for us here, I think this might make a difference. And I really do feel that Huawei, along with BBK Group right now, are really pushing the envelope the most in terms of hardware and keeping Apple and Samsung on their toes and not becoming too complacent. And I don't want that to end. So this is concerning me a little bit because of that. Yeah. If anything, like we have to look at manufacturers like Huawei, BKK, as you say, and um, Xiaomi. As at the very least, they can be trendsetters. It's not yeah. necessarily that those phones will be available everywhere, but you know the, that is where certain innovations kind of happen at first. I mean, if you look at other than Huawei doing Periscope lenses first, uh, the second company to make it happen was Oppo with mm -hmm. the Reno 10X Zoom, followed by Samsung and now Xiaomi. Mm -hmm. So there are not too many folded lenses out there. And a lot of them are on Huawei products. And now two of them are on, uh, on Samsung products. So I think that, I think that the innovation like, has come from, from China a lot. Like in-display fingerprint sensor with a BB, was a BBK thing with Vivo and Oppo. Mm -hmm. They kind of simultaneously did it. Uh, Pop-up cameras were also a BBK group thing. Um, and so I feel like you're going to say a lot of it is a bit gimmicky, but having a full screen display that's uninterrupted by a notch and a punch hole, hole punch, whatever, is is good. And for some people, having a, a pop-up camera because of that isn't a bad thing. So I want I want to say that... It's more, it's more fun, too. Like, it was that was one of the most fun times I've ever had in <laughs> smartphones was when all cameras were, like, moving weirdly. <laughs> I feel like Michael should pop his voice in here right now and say... When phones were fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That's, it's a fun factor too. Uh, the last thing is kind of more, more peripheral to mobile, but it's, you know, we can't just ignore this. This is a crazy thing going on right now. This TikTok and WeChat ban that's happening. <sighs> um, the reason we have to talk about it, other than our stupid regime doing stupid government things like they've been doing forever now that are completely short-sighted and idiotic, and I've been very vocal about this on the show, I feel that beyond the politics of it, I think this is a very dangerous, slippery slope because, you know, where do you stop? WeChat is owned by Tencent, who owns, who, who owns a part of Spotify. They own a whole bunch of, like, PUBG and a bunch of other games come out of Tencent and are made by U.S. studios, by American hardworking video game developers like what I used to do for a living. And I'm really concerned that they don't see that by banning WeChat, that's like, where do, what do, you, where do you go next, right? Exactly. And, and TikTok, I know it's a bit of a personal vendetta from our stupid president because, you know, he's pissed off about what they did to, uh, to his, you know, his gathering in, what was it, Arkansas or whatever? Like, <laughs> they TikTokers trolled the crap well, out of him. I mean, the, the most popular content on TikTok is making fun of him. Exactly. So the, the point is that I understand it's a bit of a personal thing, but I feel like there's a slippery slope there. And the other thing we don't understand is that this is hurting our economy further because it's making us more insular at a time when we're already all really hurting economically. And more importantly, Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world and probably most 
important U.S. companies today in terms of revenue and economic effect on the country uh, might lose a lot of iPhone sales in China, where they're very popular, if WeChat is somehow banned. Because mm. then, unlike an Android phone where you can sideload WeChat directly from Tencent's servers, on an iPhone, you can't do that. You have to go through yeah. the App Store, right? So I think this is another big, big concern that I have, and that's why I want to bring it up. I want you folks listening to think about these things in the back of your heads, because this, this thing coming in November, I don't know if you heard about it, it's called an election. Jaime said it best on the Pocket Now Daily recently, when politics start affecting technology in a really negative way, in our nerdy ways, and, and affects us nerds in a negative way, I get really pissed. It halts innovation. Correct. And also, it's like so weirdly transparent and specific, right? Because, <laughs> you know, just as just as an uh, update to anybody um, that might be listening, wondering about things like Riot Games and PUBG Mobile and all that, it actually won't, the, the like the ban in general should not be happening in our mm. opinion, but no. it's not going to really affect those things. So things like League of Legends, Fortnite, those are actually okay. But that's actually the problem too, because they're so specific that they just want to, they want this ban to affect only the things that pertain to very Chinese things. Like Chinese people use WeChat a lot. There, there are so many places in my general vicinity here in LA that have the WeChat logo right next to the credit card logos. People use it a lot. They're, that's what they're targeting. Trump is literally being racist by making this ban. <laughs> so League of Legends, Fortnite, all those things, that's fine. Those are okay. Everyone uses it, but he just wants to target the Chinese stuff. So it's transactions related to WeChat is the wording here, which yeah, pisses, exactly. that pisses me off so much because it's so specific. And, it's a, and I said, it's a slippery slope. If, you, if we let them get away with that, like what's next? Right? Yes, like, indeed. Is, is OnePlus phones the next thing to get banned because they're a Chinese mm -hmm. company owned by BBK? Do you want to lose your OnePlus phone? Like you might not care about Huawei right now because you can never buy them legally in the US, but would you be not slightly pissed if suddenly T-Mobile and Verizon have to drop OnePlus phones? This is exactly like, where do you stop? Like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't want to give him ideas now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It, the, the reason why the specificity is so like jarring to me is because they know not to mess with like TikTok is one thing, but they know not to mess with Riot Games. They know not to mess with like other other big uh, other big communities like that. The gaming community will kill if you take away <laughs> the things that they want. <laughs> you think the TikTok people were pissed off? Oh, boy. oh yeah, exactly. Well, Josh, we should wrap up. Do you want to tell the folks where they can find you on the internet? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on all social media. Uh, easy to find me. It's at JVTechT on Twitter and Instagram. To make it easy, I'm JV. I love tech and I love to drink me some tea. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Joshua Vergara. I know some people wondered why don't you have youtube.com slash JVTechT. I did not think of it and I already messed up. I already used up my name change on YouTube. So it's my full name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's yes. a challenge for sure. Mm -hmm. You folks should definitely subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel and also watch him on Pocket Now and, yes. uh, you know, follow on social and all that good stuff. To put a little bit of a, of a perspective between the two types, some people are saying like, but you, you do two reviews. Here's the thing. The Pocket Now stuff calls for the more traditional type of review where it's like completely scripted. I have a throughput. There's sort of a story to what I'm doing. Uh, but on JV, I get in front of the camera and I riff. So that's yeah. more the casual delivery. There you go. So that's exactly why you should subscribe to both. You get both sides and the lovely Joshua telling you all about it every time. 
You folks know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Tankerl, but without the vowels. If you want to comment and discuss this podcast, please do it on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to chat with you about the topics and the content. And then uh, Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones and generally some eye candy for this audio-only podcast. And if you want more eye candy, YouTube, there's a YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech Podcast is where I have some unboxing, some hands-ons, some reviews. I just posted my Z Flip After the Buzz review. Sweet. So check that out. I'll link it in the show notes as well. And then, uh, of course, if you just join because Josh is on the show or maybe you just landed here by accident, you want to subscribe, mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL. There's an RSS feed there if you're old school. But if you use all the apps like we all like to do, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, some of the places where you can find the show, please subscribe, tell your friends, like the things. I know that you some podcast apps let you rate and review the show. If you get a chance to rate or review the show, please do. It really helps me. Also, really helps me if you consider donating. There is a link in the show notes that let you donate. It's a PayPal link. Please consider donating and it, it helps me a lot. Uh, this is a bit of a labor of love, as you know. And then uh, I want to also thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible.com is where it's at for audiobooks. If you like to read as much as I do, but you can't always necessarily read. Maybe you're on a road trip, you're the driver, or you're a delivery person and you're constantly in a car and you're sick and tired of listening to all those tech podcasts and you want to listen to a whole big epic book. Well, guess what? Audible's got you covered. They have a ton of books, tons of selection. A lot of books are read by the author, all that good stuff. So why do I bring it up? Well, you know what? They have a deal for you. So if you want to help the podcast and then you get something in exchange that helps you, you should check out this deal. It's basically a 30-day free trial with a free book at the end. No strings attached. And if you click through the link, you support the show no matter what. So consider that. The link is in the show notes. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Please consider helping out the show through donating and or through this Audible sponsorship. And I want to thank Audible again for being with us since the very early days. Much appreciated. And you, Josh, for being on the show again. Thank you so oh. much for joining us. No, thank you for inviting me. I'm always happy to talk. Absolutely. We'll definitely have you on again sometime soon. And next week, folks, we'll have another show as always. So stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.